When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. Ryan Clark here with Chris Reifer. Uh, big news week for PTFC. Uh, obviously, the, the big story of the week uh, coming out of the Oregonian, myself and Jeff Manning reporting. Uh, the Timbers have dropped DeBella as their primary sponsor. Obviously, DeBella was the kit sponsor for the Timbers uh, at the start of this season and made it one game before uh, so, some issues came up that, that led to the Timbers making that decision to drop them. Um, those issues, as reported by, by Jeff and I, just a quick summary. Uh, the CEO of DeBella, Donnie McMillan Jr., uh, was accused by a former executive of having multiple instances of sexual harassment uh, or unwanted advances with employees at DeBella. Um, the, the former executive brought this up in a separate lawsuit that had to do with his employment and, and his uh, – what he he believed was was a termination that wasn't fair and that he didn't get the money that uh, that the company had promised him, um, and so through that a motion was filed to to bring forward those documents that this former executive uh, CFO uh, Greg Swartz said will ultimately prove that that Donnie McMillan um, had these issues of sexual harassment in the workplace, which included settlements. Um, the Timbers found out about this on Tuesday because myself and and Jeff reached out to the team uh, and told them essentially what we were reporting on. Uh, and and through that process, Heather Davis said that she met with Donnie McMillan. Uh, he denied all of the allegations. Uh, his The lawyer for DeBella went, went farther and said this is just a, a money grab on the part of Swartz. But either way, the Timbers, you know, with the information they had, made the decision to drop DeBella, uh, which is a big deal and, and a difficult decision to make for the Timbers particularly because of the financial implications. Obviously, they invested a lot in this sponsorship and will lose a significant amount of money as a result. Uh, we'll play with blank jerseys on Saturday. So, Chris, just your you know impressions of, of how PTFC handled this situation uh, and then just your evaluation of, of the, the whole you know situation itself. I think they did what needed to be done. Uh, you know, this obviously is not the kind of thing... I mean, frankly, in light of the last... A few years and in light of this this new information that they that they received via you great job by the way of like getting the plug-in right from the jump uh the the the, the folks uh, the the powers that be are going to be just delighted uh with that but you know i mean given that they uh that they the news that they they got through you and and sort of their subsequent actions to to look into it um they couldn't move forward with Debella on the front of their jerseys. I mean, it's it's not a it's not like other 
other relationships. Uh, you literally have that logo on your jersey. Uh, and unless there is at least some degree of, of alignment between sort of the reputation and values of the sponsor and uh, and what the, the team at least wants to be, the reputation and values of the club, I mean, y- you can't really put that crest on, on, on your chest, right? Uh, put that logo on your, on your chest and play with it every week. So uh, I think they did what they needed to do. Uh, I think it is a, it is a, a hard decision insofar as there's, frankly, a lot of money behind it uh, at a time when it certainly looks like, uh, you know, some of the other avenues of money uh, are not as robust, perhaps, as they have been in the past. Um, and so the, the Timbers have some real skin in the game here uh but i think they did what they needed to do they did it quickly they did it properly uh and i think that puts them now in a position where they're in a better spot to make the best of this going forward uh i hope they're ambitious about that i hope they they uh have some creativity about it um but you know i think they're now in a position where they can they can you know make the best of it uh, and you know, I think there's, uh, there are some ideas that, that, that can go around it. Frankly, I hope they find a way to sort of plug it back into the community while they're now looking for a new shirt sponsor, because that's not something that they're going to find overnight, right? That's going to be something that's going to take some time, uh, to figure out how they want to do it, uh, who it's going to be to sort out the deal and, and even to implement it. Uh, that's going to take a matter of, you know, several weeks or frankly, probably even several months. It might be all season because these aren't just the kinds of deals that go forward. But I hope they sort of treat this loss as, in some respects, a a blank slate uh, in which they can now project their values and they can sort of go out and make some community impact uh, using this. And, uh, you know, that may well put themselves in a position at the end of it where their brand is higher value than it was. You know, the, the, the thing about the DeBella deal, even sort of setting aside the most recent revelations, is that this is not a well-known sort of well-established company, right? It's a closely held entity. It's, a, it's um, you know, it, it's a, a, a residential contractor. And so it's not Alaska Airlines in terms of reputation and sophistication and all of those things. And to, I mean, sort of just state the obvious, the reason that they didn't have a higher profile uh, jersey sponsor is because they didn't have a brand that higher profile jersey sponsors wanted to pay a lot of money to associate themselves with. And I think if the Timbers use these next several months to try to make some community impact with this, uh, they might find themselves in a position where their brand is just more valuable than it was when they contracted with Debella, and they might find more attractive partners, and they might find uh, more attractive deals. And so, you know, if I were advising the club, I would say pull out all the stops, figure out a way uh, to do this in which they can use this blank space, literally blank space, uh, to uh, on the front of their jerseys uh, to benefit the community, uh, to maybe rebuild some relationships uh, that they have lost uh, over the course of the last few years, and maybe even to sort of increase the value of their brand in the end. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, there are a lot of logistics and and, and regulations and all that stuff that goes into this. So I'm, I'm not trying to say easy peasy slap right. whatever logo you want on there and, and, and go forward. Um, 
but I, I hope they, you know, when they run into barriers, I hope they try to fight through them and they try to do something like this because I think that could end up being a net positive for the team. Yeah, it's definitely an opportunity for, for the club to, to do that type of work and, and to, to go farther than what, what I think is obviously, you know, the right decision here and then something that, you know, Heather Davis and the Timbers deserve credit for doing the right thing in this situation. The, the layers of complication with this are obvious, right? That, you know, given that she leads business operations, it was, it was somebody like Heather Davis and, and her team, um, behind the scenes that, that helped broker this deal, right? They, they thought this was a, initially, they thought this was a good deal for, um, for the Timbers to make with Debella and they thought it was a good community partner and they had a lot planned with Debella in the community. In addition, obviously to all the advertisements and logos all over the stadium, which Heather now says are going to be covered up on Saturday, uh, including the logo on the front of the Jersey. So, you know, it's, it's tough that, the Timbers were in a situation where they and their third party um, search firm that they hired to, to seek out a sponsor um, did not do the do enough due diligence to find out about this information. Now, whether that would be possible yeah, given the, the layers of protection. Say. Yeah. 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 It's hard to say whether it's even possible for them to have done that level of due diligence, because this is a situation where, you know, if these, settlements and and situations exist within Debella, um, you know, they'd be very hard for any search firm to obtain without some level of legal recourse yeah. that, it, um, I mean, it, frankly, didn't exist for any, anybody until this lawsuit In happened. all fairness to them, unless there is a lawsuit filed or something like that, uh, I'll, you know, these kinds of deals, unfortunately, uh, are very often very private. Right. And and so, you know, in the and we know that there were no lawsuits filed about these things uh, because of reporting that you and Jeff did for the Oregonian. Um, See, I can do it, too. Um, But uh, we know there were no lawsuits filed uh, uh, about these things. And so, you know, when that's the case, and it happens frequently that there are deals struck before any lawsuit is filed, um, it can be very private. And frankly, if uh, if Debella either is not forthcoming or to put a I guess slightly darker potential spin on a misleading about this kind of stuff. Um, it can be very difficult, if not impossible, for you know a, uh, a you know a, a partner like the Timbers or even their their search firm that they used uh, to uncover something like this. And so uh, you know I th- so I think it's frankly hard to establish a hot take that they didn't do their due diligence because I just don't think we know that and can say that fairly. Um, and, uh, and you know, that, that, that's it. That said, I mean, you know, I, I think if there is a, a lesson to draw when it comes to a sponsorship that is this high profile, when you have a company like Tabella that, you know, doesn't have like, you know, some of the more sophisticated corporate structures that, you know, a, a big company like Alaska Airlines, um, would have you're kind of you're a little bit more exposed to things like this right because alaska airlines if the ceo goes out and does something crazy they can fire them right they can part ways and and the uh sort of the the taint from that individual's actions doesn't necessarily sort of stick with the partner but when you have a closely held entity like Debella. Ain't nowhere where that's you know, that tank can go, right? <laughs> it, it, it's sort of just stuck because you know it's it's Donnie McMillan's company, and if Donnie McMillan engages in misconduct, there's kind of nowhere where that can go. 
Oh, and and so you know, I mean, dealing with these kinds of companies in this kind of really high profile relationship carries with it some risk, and that's kind of the risk that the the, the timbers have have borne the the bad end of uh, over the course of the last few days. But in terms of how they responded, right, and they, and they can't, you know, I think they 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 responded the way they needed to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did, and um, and they can't afford, as I was going to say, to, to, you know, hem and haw about stuff like this anymore. Given where the the franchise is at, and given the history of the last two years, right? I mean, there are several publicly documented cases of the Timbers organization previously having ownership over the Thorns as well, not doing the right thing in these situations, or going on a half measure and and claiming it was the right thing this this was a full measure this was something that um you know they they saw as standing up for values rather than for dollars because for dollars sake it's very much a bad move it's something that is going to cost quite a bit of money and a lot of time and frankly i feel for the people that work over at the the timbers organization and the marketing department it it is going to be an enormous amount of work yeah yeah, digital people, social people. I mean, there's just so many different – it's a big company and there's a lot of people who are going to be affected and have to work long hours uh, fixing these problems. Um, I mean, there's jerseys with the DeBella logo on them all over retail stores around the country, right? So there's there's so many logistical challenges that come with this and, and it's going to be a, a messy path forward for sure. But they, um, you know, they play Saturday against DC United. The jerseys are either going to be blank completely or have some sort of cover over them, maybe shades of Sam Obasanye's protest in Ted Lasso where you got the, um, the black tape over the the logo um who, who knows what'll what'll happen there but no debella logos or advertisements in the, in the stadium either um so so that's where things stand with that um but on the soccer field on saturday the, vibes are the better. lone game yeah the vibes are Overall, much better the vibes the, are complicated. Uh, the lone... on the soccer field are better they are, and and it was the lone game for Debella as the sponsor. Uh, they are one zero and zero as the sponsor all time, despite obviously now being dropped. Um, and it was a, a a fun game. Like I I had a chance to to watch it in its entirety on Apple TV, and uh, the Timbers pulled off a four one win in their open over Colorado, up four zip at halftime. Um, everything going right, playing with with pace, with you know precise decision making, crisp passes. No DPs on the field for the Timbers, and they played a, a thoroughly impressive game. And you know, if if they can bottle up that first half and and try to maintain it through the course of of the majority of their games going forward, um, this team does have a chance to be good. And once they get their their horses back, people like Evander, who's been hurt, and Felipe Mora, who's been hurt, and then whoever this DP number nine is, whether it's Cabecita Rodriguez or somebody else, um, more reinforcements is only going to help that. I, I, it is one game. You don't want to overreact to one game, but I think that the things that were positive about that Timbers game were such that um, they could become trends going forward if if they you know are able to to maintain that level of of play yeah i think that's right i think you you know you've the overall vibe coming out of that game of course is very good uh it was the colorado rapids who frankly looked like a bit of a mess i think they're gonna have a a better test 
this next weekend against DC United. Still a game that I would expect the Timbers, if they are the team that they looked like they could be in the first half against Colorado, uh, it's still a game that I would expect the Timbers to be able to win at home uh, against DC United. But DCU, I, I think, is going to put up a bit more of a fight than Colorado did. Frankly, I think there are a lot of things about Colorado's performance that you would look at the amount of the amount of space uh, that Eric Williamson, in particular, was able to find in the in the in central midfield. I mean, you're just not going to get that every week because teams are going to be better at closing that down. I think it's not a super good sign for Chris Armis's new team that they were allowing that much space uh in 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 that part of the field and the, i mean look i mean williamson was ruthless especially in that first half he was phenomenal phenomenal oh uh, i mean maybe the best performance yeah that first goal that he had that yeah yeah it was such a great moment but also yeah you were, you were about to say the performance that he had overall was phenomenal the spaces as well. he was finding the the speed with which he was playing from those spaces uh it, you know the ability that he had to sort of move around uh to find the soft spots there were too many of them they were too easy to find uh but he was finding them uh and then the decisions he was making and the speed with which he was making those decisions uh from that spot uh in that first half was was 10 out of 10. It was one of the best performances the Timbers have had from an attacking central midfielder in some years. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that that certainly is probably putting some thoughts into, into Phil Neville's head. Uh, and in some ways, maybe sort of shines a light on a problem that we've discussed before uh, in terms of how they're going to get and how they're going to deploy both Evander and Eric Williamson at the same time. Uh, but just, you know, those are, those are, you know, 10,000 foot uh, problems. If we zoom into just that game, Williamson was phenomenal. Uh, and, uh, and that really, I think opened up a lot. You know, the other thing that I think is really exciting and frankly, I think probably is chicken soup for Ned Grabovoy's soul is, uh, is Anthony's performance. Uh, look, you know, I had thought coming into the season and in the off season uh, that the wing was a higher priority uh, for a DP signing than, than the number nine spot, just because I think Felipe Mora went healthy, which is a thing. Uh, but when healthy is, is, you know, and at least average, maybe even a little bit better MLS starter uh, up top. And so I kind of thought that, that, you know, if they needed to focus on one place, it made more sense to do so on the wing and then bring in somebody maybe a little bit younger uh, at the nine who they would hope would sort of rise to the occasion by the end of the season or, or next season to be a starting level player uh, and, and and sort of make the upside play there. Uh, the, the caveat to that was always, but if Anthony is really good, you don't want to do that. <laughs> right. And so, you know, the Timbers have obviously gone in a different direction. They're prioritizing a number nine, uh, in, in their DP search. And you know, that, that left them with potential exposure on the wing, right? If Anthony struggled, uh, maybe Dirona Spria, you know, doesn't sort of regain his 2021 form where he was, uh, a regular and impactful starter. Um, you know, they could be thin, uh, at, on, on the wing if that was the case. Uh, so, you know, I think that was certainly one of the things to watch uh, in terms of how effective Anthony was. Phil Neville obviously sung his praises before this game, and those praises were justified. Uh, you know, I don't think he was overall as impactful as as Eric Williamson was. If I had a man in the match, that's why I would go to Eric. But, I mean, 
scored two goals. Both of them were pretty darn good. Both of them were different. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be winning lots of headers, but man, Keegan Rosenberry didn't have a good time. Uh, and that is a testament to, uh, to, to Anthony's play. So if that's the Anthony that we're going to see, their decision to prioritize the nine uh, at with that DP spot is going to look very, very smart and is going to be very, very smart. Uh, you know, obviously you referenced yeah, it. Yeah, and is, so is the decision just to just to get Anthony in the first yeah. place, yeah, right? I sure. mean, that's, that's the obvious thing. But like, you know, to, to, to bring in a guy like that who, um, you know, he only played a, a little bit last year and, and he showed some flashes of quality, but it was a, a different beast out there, like in that game. Like it, his, I, I think that at one of the, the trainings last year, um, Merritt Paulson said that, uh, that Anthony was the fastest player that they've ever had. Um, now Merritt's a guy that that's prone to a little bit of exaggeration on occasion. I don't know if, if people have experienced that before, um, but it has in this case, it, yes, it has. And, and in this case, like it, you could make a pretty good argument based on, on some of the, the moments in that game, watching that guy run, he is fast and that pace, he, he, you know, he had a, a moment where he, he had the missed touch when he was running pretty fast on, on the ball ahead, but you know, he slowed down and, and finished off his second goal with, with an incredible touch, uh, on that. So, um, yeah, but, but in it's general, like, that throughout the, the, the game, that wasn't intentional. It, it it's a really good space you know, if he wanted it, it very if he well wanted to cut been. it back yeah, on his yeah, on, yeah. on his right foot it's a it's a pretty good and deceptive way to do that right and it's a good way to try to get the defender to overcommit right uh which is exactly what happened right like uh, rosenberry overcommitted all of a sudden he was you know he was looking for his pants um on on antony's left foot when antony was pulling it back to his right foot and, and bending it far post um i don't know if it was intentional or not if yeah. it was intentional brilliant if it wasn't eh, take your credit young man Either way, it was gorgeous, and it went in the back of the net. And I think that throughout that game, um, you know, Anthony showcased his his speed, his positioning, um, and and his skill in a way that that made it look like he he's got future star potential. Now it's one game, it's one game he could like, that is, disappear the yeah, rest of the season, the, and, the and thing. things could happen. But but I don't think it's going to. I think that he showed something potentially special in that first game that you know it's all about harnessing it right and finding consistency and staying healthy that's that's the case for the whole team but you know in in Anthony's case I think he's somebody that could factor in very well particularly you know um with with Evander in there and and Eric Williamson in there um doing what they do whether it's one or the other or both um you know have having those type of playmakers around um i thought that paredes you know has had that um that ability in that game as well and and has shown that ability um that's huge and he's somebody that can benefit greatly from that um also when the number nine comes around who that is it some people like espn mexico are saying it's it's going to be cabecita jonathan rodriguez or Tom Bogert, who sort of semi refuted that report um, based on his sourcing, which I, I think his sourcing is obviously strong within MLS. No um, he, he said he, he said essentially that uh, nothing is set in stone yet and sort of implied that Rodriguez was 
not necessarily the backup option, I mean, uh, but among I'll the go options. Ahead and say but he's the he, backup he, option. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it it's clear yeah. that that deal for Cabecita is there if they want to make it, and it's clear that they're not making it yet, right? Uh, they may they might be very close. Uh, it sounds to me like they're trying to push things to come to a head uh, with whatever other option they're exploring. Um, but it, it, it's also clear that that a deal for Cabecita is on the table uh, if if they choose to go in that direction. And frankly, I think you know the way they're approaching this with Cabecita and and Mystery Striker makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, it's clear that Mystery Striker is probably somebody who would be a big swing, uh, who would be a higher transfer fee, maybe not necessarily higher in salary. I think we, in terms of wages, Cabecita would probably you know, demand a decent wage bill. Um, but in terms of a transfer fee, you're not going to get the yeah. same for a 30-year-old guy than you are for a 23-year-old guy, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, it'd be lower end on on the transfer fee. And, you know, I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Cabecita is a good option. Especially uh, if, as as Tom Bogert hinted today, doing the Cabecita deal would leave a little bit more in reserve to go after a young DP number whatever uh, in in the summer. Uh, if that's the case, then frankly, I think you can feel pretty good about that. I don't have much doubt that Cabecita would come in and do well in MLS. I mean, even just this year in which he's sort of been in and out for America, in which he's been playing a few different positions for America, the guy's got like nine goals and two assists in my like 1,100 minutes or so. That'll play. Um, probably won't play for a long time, right? I mean, you, you know, you're looking at a guy who you would expect to, to be at peak production maybe for the next year or two, uh, probably two you would expect at peak production before the decline sets in. Um, and so that's why the transfer fee would be lower. But look, I mean, that's going to play in MLS, uh, which I think is not as deep of a league as Liga MX still. Uh, that'll play. And so I think there's reason if it's Cabecita to be, you know, at least guardedly excited. But he would not be sort of the, you know, biggest signing we've ever made kind of signing, uh, even if I think the the fit could right. make sense. And so, you know, I think we'll have to wait and see over the next few days. But it's clear that that the Timbers have at least w- one good option, and they're still exploring whether there's maybe one option that they like better. Yeah, one really, one or two really good options, right? The idea of bringing in a younger player that's that's at a number that um, goes beyond or even well beyond what they paid for Evander. That's the sort of hype and the talk that's been happening from from people like you know Phil Neville and Merritt Paulson and and at times Ned Grabovoy is is the hope of being able to sort of achieve something like that with a, a dp number nine maybe a young dp number nine depending on who it is um but but as a consolation prize if it if it's inevitable that at the very least they get cabecita um that's that's a great one right i think i think that's that's a starting level you know potentially i mean what what, should be a top team leading goal scorer yeah yeah top 10 striker in mls and and could lead the team comfortably in the goals department um and and would i think fit very well with the personnel that the timbers have right now um it is curious though that there has not been really other rumors as far as like who who those bigger swing players are and maybe that's that's a better thing than if they were to put the name out there and maybe that jeopardizes the deal. There's a lot of complications and factors and deals like this that, uh, that can make things interesting, but it is interesting that they haven't floated other major. What names. I will say is I, I think 
because sometimes deals, even big deals stay really quiet like this until very late in the game. And you sort of just have to think about the interests involved. Very often when a team is sort of willing to part with a guy, sort of like this guy's a little bit surplus to requirements, which I think is very much how America feels about Cavesita right now. It is a, a, a nice sort of flexible piece to be a part-time starter, part-time bench player, but they would absolutely move him for the right price. There is not as much incentive on the player side. There's not as much incentive on the club side uh, to keep that deal quiet, right? On the other hand, if if a club is selling a guy who is starting regularly, who is uh, who is you know a big money signing, and who frankly fans might be a little bit upset uh, if they know he's on the market. Uh, there's a lot more incentive, both from the club and the player who probably wants the deal because presumably there's a bag at the end of it. Uh, there's a lot more incentive for them to keep it quiet uh, and to keep things a little bit more under wraps sort of as they go. So that's why once in a while you will see sort of these shock moves, right? Because it's like, oh, this guy's been starting for team down in Argentina or where, wherever is absolutely crushing it. Could even be in Mexico, could be anywhere, is absolutely crushing it. And of course, Club X doesn't want to be like, hey, uh, we're looking to, to, to sell our best player because we're going to get $12 million. Um, they, they don't necessarily want that out in, in the reverse all the time. And so, uh, and so, you know, that's why these things can be quiet and can sort of go under, uh, uh, under the radar for a little bit. Um, and, you know, it makes sense, frankly, if if the Timbers are taking a big swing, it's not shocking that this would be that kind of a deal. Uh, that said, it's March 1st and and the Timbers are about to play their second game tomorrow. And so they need to get it done. Uh, but I think, frankly, that's why we're seeing the Cabecita stuff get a little bit warmer, because I think the messaging there, frankly, it wouldn't shock me if that's coming from the Timbers side. Even Timbers know people in Mexico. They can, you know, text messages get down to Mexico. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if that's coming from the timber side because the point is sort of being now it's time to put up or shut up. You know, this other deal that they're pursuing, maybe the club is hemming and hawing a little bit. They're going to say, hey, we, you know, I mean, they want to get the message out. Hey, we've got this deal with this guy who we think is good, ready to go. So time to put up or shut up. Yeah, yeah, it can be part of the the negotiations with others, right? It's like it it takes two to tango is the old cliche, and that's that's true between two teams. But in the case of of international football transfers, it it's it's taking three, four, or five, sometimes six, seven, eight people to tango. Yeah, that's right. And and it's it's a lot of different layers of it where you're you're sort of using the media's leverage. You're you're talking to agents, you're talking to players, you're talking to clubs, um, and and they're sort of inter intertwined in this way behind the scenes that um it's a it's a very narrow thread um and so it's it's uh it's going to be an interesting few days and potentially weeks depending on on how this works out now we, we've reached the seven to ten day mark that was originally uh stated by ned grabvoy in his opening Let's press go, conference I, I don't think that's gonna <laughs> gonna happen this probably it's probably not going to happen today. It's probably not going to happen tomorrow. Might, frankly, um, I, I we'll mean, I, I think the noise that we're hearing now strongly suggests that that somebody is trying to push this over the line. Oh, uh, and it might be Cabecitas yeah. camp. It might be Club America. It might be the Timbers. Um, but it looks to me like somebody is trying to get this to that point. So, frankly, I, I think we're we're now on alert. Right. The go bag is packed. Uh, we're now on alert for for this thing to be uh, to be finished up. Um, 
you know, not necessarily in Ned's seven to ten day timeline, but pretty close. Yeah, and I guess one piece of news that did come across uh, our desk, or I guess on my Twitter notifications um, with the Timbers just now, was that the uh, U.S. Open Cup, um, officially the the Timbers will be sending T2. They'll be sending T2 to the Open Cup. So, um, yeah. Not a lot of people obviously happy about that because of what they they believe U.S. Open Cup means uh, and what it does mean to to American soccer and um, the sort of weird you know rift that is now becoming a chasm between MLS and, and U.S. soccer in this regard. Um, a lot of people don't think it's good for the sport for a lot of reasons that we could talk about on this podcast for literal hours probably. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's official now that that'll be it'll be the the T2 boys participating in that tournament. It, it it's too bad. It seems unnecessary. Look, there are and for lots of years have been lots of issues with US Open Cup. Um and so like, you know, that the I'm not going to be out here saying the US Open Cup is a perfect tournament that's been run perfectly cuz it hasn't been. But this feels very much like MLS largely taking its toys and going home. Uh, I and I frankly, you know, if that wasn't the message that MLS wanted to send, there is a very easy solution, right? Which is just open up rosters to bring in basically as many folks from your your second team as you want, and let teams play mixed team mixed teams as frankly they have for the early rounds for the last several years and may, let the teams make the assessment. Yeah, yeah they were kind of doing that yeah, anyway. I mean, and, yeah. and let the teams make the assessment for how they wanted to balance their schedules. Oh, but it's clear that MLS does want to send a message that it is taking its toys and going home or largely taking its toys and going home. Uh, and that's too bad because I think the U.S. Open Cup is cool. It is the most storied. It is the most traditional competition in the United States. Uh, I don't think you can crown yourself a national champion in the United States unless you win the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, and so it's it's really a shame that MLS, for all of its reasons, and you're right, we could talk about that for hours. Uh, it's really a shame that MLS, for its reasons, uh, is choosing to take its toys and go home here. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't feel good, doesn't smell good, doesn't taste good. Uh, and unfortunately, it means we're going to miss out here in Portland, at least this year, uh, on sort of the first team competing in the U.S. Open Cup, which is you know, USOC is crazy. It, it, it's, it's wild, but it's also fun and historic and, uh, is worth the investment. Uh, I just wish we could convince the league of that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it this is something that a lot of other people have said many times over, but it, it just reeks of this desire for monopolization of the American soccer product in a way that frankly, you know, if you talk to people around the game who, are aware of the cultural impacts of soccer in this country and, and how one can foster and foment positive growth of the sport and, and of fan culture so that it's not just this sort of, you know, empty corporate product. Um, they, they believe in something like the U S open cup and they, they want it to survive and thrive and, and be part of a system that they also believe should include things like relegation, but that's another conversation that is in some ways related. Um, so it's, it's messy. It sucks. Um, I, I shouldn't say it's messy cause maybe that 
messy with a implies y. other other things yeah messy with a y um but <laughs> it's those those sort of things do tend to tend to come to the mind um so there's there's a lot there to unpack with the us open cup but yeah t2 will be there um we'll touch briefly on really the only major sort of thorns related uh item this week and that is the kits the new kits that NWSL revealed across the league, uh, total reset uh, under Nike of the kits for the next couple of years. Uh, first kits of the Bethal era. Now, a uh, quick caveat: the completely designed kit design and, and the, the, the decision making. Right, and and there's still a transition ongoing with uh, with the the. Paulson regime and and the Timbers organization having business employees that that are in charge of this sort of thing. So so that is where it stands in terms of the people that that had more of a hand in, in this design. Reviews, reactions, they they were kind of a mixed bag. I, I say they would probably lean a little negative, um, but that's social media. So, you know, how much can you really take away from that? Um, there are good and bad aspects to the kits, but I, I wanted to to know your sort of impression of, of the main one, which is sort of the the angular thorn red yellow sort of thing. And then the very simple secondary one, which is like a gray blue almost sort of it almost looks like a keeper kit. But yeah, look, the mighty have fallen. Uh, this is this is the club of the really sort of cool like Portland flag red and black kit that they had uh, that, that was a little bit of homage to the Portland flag. Uh, what was that? That was probably 2018, 2019, maybe 2017, 2018. Uh, it is the uh, club of the absolutely legendary uh, Black Rose kit that was I mean, to my eye, one of the best kits in American soccer over the course of the last decade or so, um, what, 2019, 2020-ish. Um, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, you know, the, the the red one, frankly, looks a little bit stock and off-rack to me. Uh, and, and the black one, blue one, unclear what color it is, uh, just doesn't do much. Uh, it, you know, uh, whereas San Diego's slaps hard uh, and... Boy, does San Diego slap hard. Uh, I, I saw a thing today that was just like they've been flying off the rack since announced. And frankly, don't blame San Diegans uh, for uh, for opening up their pocketbooks for that. That is a, a kit that's worth opening up uh, your pocketbook for. The Thorns we will do better in the future. Yeah, it was, it was a bit rough, uh, in my opinion, honestly. Like, I... People had a lot of very strong opinions about the Ed Hardy tattoo kit, right? Uh, and it didn't hit for me, but at least it was like a swing. But I got yeah. it. Yeah. Like, like even if you didn't like that kit, you sort of understood the the vibe they were going for. And then the the original sort of classic black jersey they had with the thorns sort of wrapped around the torso area um, was objectively cool. And I think a, a good identifier with the red and black, very, you know, s- like strong and significant, like color identifying type of thing with the brand of the thorns. Right. Um, green has never really been a major part of their 
uniforms, even though that's technically part yeah, of their actual palette. logo. The, the, the red and black is yeah, the red yeah, the color palette. The red and black has been um, has been a standby, and that's the reds there. But there's really, I mean, there's not not a lot of black, and and the design itself, um, I don't know. It's it's, I I, I wasn't my a fan, my favorite thing, personally. frankly, about those so I, those red kits, yeah, is uh the the memes that have come out on social media of like 1990s McDonald's uniforms. Um, those are that that that's good. You you <laughs> you spat upon social media uh, a, a moment ago here i am praising social media because that is the kind of stuff that social media gets us it is funny uh and it will now be in my mind the mcdonald's kit yeah i mean despite being the window into the dark heart and the worst aspects of the human id uh, social media does produce funny memes. <laughs> that, a lot that's of the time. exactly that so. <laughs> is exactly how you can describe social media. It is it is the worst of us. Yeah, it is also the best memes of us. Yes, undoubtedly. So there there was plenty of that to come out out of the kit release. But yeah, there there were some cool ones around the league. I like San Diego's too. Um, but yeah, I just. Not not a huge fan with the thorns. It feels off. It feels like a different team's colors in a way. So that's that's my general impression. But if uh, I'm the Bethals, and, and to be clear, I'm certainly not. Uh, but if I'm the Bethals, uh, I'm I'm calling my friends at Nike this week and saying, "Hey, can we can we set up a meeting to talk about you know how we're gonna how we're gonna do this going forward? Because this this isn't this doesn't scream the ambition that the Bethals have screamed uh, since they've showed up. And and so uh, I, I I hope they're you know doing that outreach. Yeah, and there's no not to say that there won't be you know another alternate kit added to the mix as the season goes on, or or even a, a overall change into next year. I think it's a two year situation with these kits, but who's to say? We'll 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 talk more on kits in the coming weeks and days. Uh, it, kits kits is the theme of the week apparently between the Timbers changing the kit sponsor and and the Thorns getting some new ones uh, new kits of their own. Um, so, so that'll wrap it for us then here on Soccer Made in Portland with a nice bow. Um, follow us on Twitter at Soccer Made in PDX at Chris Reifer at Ryan T. Clark. Um, subscribe to us on the Oregonian Sports Podcast Network and on Soccer Made in Portland uh, on any of your podcast apps. You can find us on either channel. Um, Oregonian Sports Podcast feed obviously can give you the range of different pods that we have between you know beaver banter ducks confidential which i am also a co-host of with james crepia uh and yeah the pod man over here um i tried pod father last week chris didn't like it that much that's okay um but yeah leave us a review if you want uh and we will catch you next week after the timbers take on dc united this saturday